Welcome to the Dividend Talk Podcast, episode 163. Why dividend growth investing is better than working a 14-hour day. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started, Dividend Talk is the place to be for insights, analysis, and unsalted advice on how to make the most of your money through dividends with our own unique European flavor. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and join our community on Facebook at Dividend Talk. See you on the inside. Hey, European DJ. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm really, really good. And I love the title of this show because it's all about you today, my buddy. So, yeah, no, um, I, I, I find this topic so interesting because I think it doesn't get any better than a pub talk like this because you literally come out of a 14 hour workday. And when you mentioned this is a joke, I really felt like we need to do this in the podcast because this is for many people, real life, and that's what our podcast is about. So I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, ask you some questions today. Let's uh, let's say it like that. So yeah, no, welcome. I mean, I really appreciate your discipline, right? Um, you know, after such a day, still coming on to the podcast and to this recording, also knowing that you will be two days out so it's also a lot of respect to the readers and and shows strong discipline so kudos from my side yeah we we, we try to be consistent uh, to be fair we're not always the case i think we've slipped in the last couple of weeks with with different things and summer kind of gets in the way so we try and be as disciplined as possible so we'll always make time for it but look i'm, I'm looking forward to getting into it i did say it to you as a joke as a topic but um, I'm looking forward to having a little bit of a wine and a whinge in, in about 10 minutes time. Um, but before that, let's let's maybe go into some of the news of the week. Um, and I might start because we all know Walgreens is a company that I've talked about. Um, I haven't covered them in a long time, but I keep getting asked questions on them as they are a part of my portfolio. They seem to be in the news an awful lot lately, and it hasn't been quite positive, I would say. The CEO has stepped down share price is tanked and now they have agreed to pay 44 million as part of a settlement um with Thanos. and, and you might remember Thanos because i think you pointed me to this book called bad blood back back in COVID, yeah. um and it's worth a read if anyone's out there it's definitely worth a read um but yeah as, as part of this they now have to pay 44 million to were basically duped um by katie holmes or um is it katie holmes i can't remember her surname katie um, holmes is this uh, yeah famous, it's not it's, uh, it's not katie holmes what is that what's her first name elizabeth elizabeth holmes yes that's it um so they were basically dupe her and now it's led to them having to pay 44 million of a settlement about five or six years later it's absolutely crazy yeah, but this story is so intriguing right uh she she this elizabeth holmes really scammed everyone and and you know she, she had this turtle neck black uh, uh what is it how do you call sweaters uh yeah. to, because she was inspired by steve jobs she wanted to do uh how you say it the drop of blood to do to 
to 100 tests and in the end you know what devices she was using if i remember correctly go on siemens siemens devices yeah i think they use the siemens machines uh in the in the, in the back office uh, to do the tests so you know it shows you the engineering quality there but she fooled everyone she fooled everyone there yeah like and and i can only imagine this Wal walgreens uh, board of directors they see a young lady entrepreneurial and they think like oh this person we need we need to jump on the bandwagon here because this will be a boon to our business you know of course stepping over all the due diligence and everything just not it's like this with ftx right where wall street brokers were saying like oh we need to invest in this guy because he's playing league of Leg legends while he's doing a multi-billion deal this is the real deal guys if you can do this then and uh, i mean and then all these banks and, and and all the also such a company like walgreens they have the all those compliance departments you wonder why they have them then right yeah, it's 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 crazy I, I won't ruin the book for anybody because i i think it's definitely worth reading there's also a, i think there's like a mini series or a short series about yeah, it on, on netflix HBO. But, but i would definitely watch i would definitely read the book first and the, then watch. the book is awesome yeah really yeah, awesome. i think, I think the book awesome. is better um but it's just you can hardly believe some of the stuff they carry on that goes on and, and <laughs> yeah. like it, they had some smart guys working with them they could see what was happening and then they couldn't walk away yeah. or have been threatened or it's um it's worth to read but yes so as part as as part of all that it cost walgreens 44 million years down the line but i'm glad it's it's drawn a line under that but it just seems the bad news just keeps pumping out for walgreens lately it's it's yeah. really really getting beaten I, down I was the other day thinking about uh, creating like a yield sucker uh, trading two on two pie pile uh, pie and then throw Walgreens in there, throw uh, medical property trust in there, throw CVS in there, throw AT and T in there, Verizon, yeah, um, and all, all all this stuff in there because uh, you know of course I I wouldn't do it but I was just daydreaming a bit about that uh, when I when I was driving from work because i felt like you know there is a there is a case to be made that those companies could could on any positive news you know a year from now at least recover a bit in share price of course guys i'm not doing this yeah but sometimes i'm in my mind i'm i'm having these faults like a yield sucker etf or the other time i was wondering like what companies do you put in a woke etf or which one do you put in such a kind of etf i'm always like uh those are like nice for me nice like brain farts let's say yeah but I, yeah it's 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 a tough one with walgreens because it's getting into that territory where you feel the dividend is not sustainable it's 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 yeah. actually it's tethering on the brink of that which is which is tough and then you have a lot of people like myself who was bought it at a certain price it's probably dropped in half so now you're looking at a, at a big loss in terms of of that so i mean it's it's tough uh, you you think the business model will do well in america but they're struggling and there's a reason why they're struggling so it it might be a case that you have to kick the can and, and take it on the chin but let's let's see let's see yeah good one um, well the next news for me is actually another one uh which is about settlement yeah <laughs> of course it's all the news lately. yeah yeah i mean you know these companies uh, i think we need to do the free cash flow 
to 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 really understand the shareholder return we need to look at not buybacks and dividends but also settlements yeah. to really understand the cash outflow that are costing shareholders money in the end as well right but uh, Philips is uh, settling with the U.S. about their respiratory devices, the issues that they had with the foam in there uh, during COVID. Uh, the expected costs, according to Bloomberg, will be about half a billion dollar. Uh, the U.S. courts still need to approve this settlement, and then the first payments can happen in the first quarter of 2024. I think they want to pay it to the buyers of these machines, but uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Okay. It would be good for Philips to get it behind them. I don't know if this is covering the entire um, uh, lawsuits uh, that they have. I, I need to do a bit more digging on that. But um, yeah, I, I so much cross my fingers that Philips gets a little bit over this because, um, I mean, I don't know how it's for you, but it's a European company that, you know, they made the famous televisions. We grew up with Philips products yeah, everywhere. Yeah. You want them to do well. Yeah, it's such an iconic pride from the past that you hope can revive itself in the pharma space. It has been poorly managed by the former CEO. I really hope that this 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 new uh, how I said it uh, uh, crown prince from from internally from Philips, uh, uh, you know, will will be able to make something out of this yeah. because the the history deserves better of this company. I mean, you'd have to feel as as European if if the litigation is settled and they get that out of the way. I don't feel like it would take much positive news to help this company, our stock, recover in terms of share price because we know it's it's been beaten down pretty bad. Um, but obviously, they have a lot of hurdles and challenges along the way. But but you're right; it's it's yeah. a European European darling, so it would be nice to to see them actually tarnished. yeah but i'm not too bullish on philips itself at all because you could argue like oh before it it was trading at 14 now it's training at 19. you know we have also some people in the community that work with philips devices yeah in the healthcare space and, and one particularly th that we know this person really hates the devices to work from usability point of view and everything right so there there might be just more broken in this company when you think about it but i would love to hear from other community members that are maybe working in the healthcare space uh, healthcare space using philips devices and what their opinion uh, is but when i hear such stories I'm, I'm sensitive to that because i think this defines the mode yeah if the healthcare professionals find uh, a machine easy to use uh, not all the time defects or something like that that's what you want because they will then recommend to their bosses please buy more uh, Philips yeah yeah no it makes sense ease, ease of use is probably one of the biggest things especially in in that area of the apartment you don't be there fiddling with a device and you're trying to hear for yeah. someone or, or give them a reading or, or whatever it is you need to do so yeah yeah let's let's see but it's interesting we've talked about stock price now on, on two companies and it's not something we often prioritize here on dividend talk because obviously dividend yeah. talk we talk about dividends but it was quite interesting this week with apple um i see they've been in the news ah it's full over twitter days. ah App apple is five percent down five percent down and I i'm looking at this and these tweets get really high engagement right people are really sensitive to this you know what i did i i put the week chart on there yeah yeah okay five percent down then i put the month chart on there minus one percent i put the year chart on there plus 13 percent i mean this shows and hey and this is being tweeted 
by high-profile social media uh, influencers that call themselves dividend growth investors. Yeah, they, they are tweeting this. Just zoom out to the month chart and it's minus one. For me, this shows like you really need to watch out with social media figures uh, here because they, they, they consider themselves long-term investors and they start tweeting about a 5% drop like it's the end of Apple. I mean, Ahol dropped in price this week yeah, because of a, a downgrade 6%. Yeah. That's an opportunity as a long-term investor. Um, you know, you need to check why. Yeah. So when you read it, they think like, okay, the bull period of food price inflation um, is over. Yeah. So they downgraded a bunch of uh, supermarket uh, stocks, grocery chains. And I think like, fine, you know, um, they will still do well. Boring business, very conservatively managed. They will do well. So if you liked it at 30 and you were hoping to get it at 28 or mid 28, nice opportunity to buy i think i i could still have it cheaper because i own already a lot but then your long-term investment then price is your opportunity but to buy apple because it drops five percent and it's like minus one on the month after uh, even a run-up earlier in the month and then acting like you know there's too much going on with apple or something like that and people start doing calculations and that yeah yeah, that's for me just the insanity of the stock market and and it's a shame that some high profile social media uh, figures that call themselves dividend investors are are using this and and there's even more to it because um, I, I have a large following almost twenty thousand, right and what's happening now on social media or in twitter is that after one if you get one and a half million views on 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 twitter they pay you so I really dislike at the moment what I'm seeing, all these stupid engagement tweets that, that they know what, what triggers people. Yeah, but it's usually not good for people that are sensitive to that. Yeah, so it, it's, 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 I understand why Elon Musk introduces it. He wants more engagement, but these, 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 these guys are really clever. They know how to, to get this engagement, but then you get all the shit out there on Twitter and um, I hope this will turn around soon again because it doesn't make FinTwit nicer, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's three arguments you could make here. One is you could argue you should just stay invested because a lot of these accounts have said, buy the dip. And I remember two years ago, I was posting memes on buy the dip because I was sick of hearing it. Like yeah. <laughs> a stock a stock goes up 20%, that drops 2%, and that's a buying opportunity. No, just buy it, buy it a year ago when you were waiting to buy it. Uh, you don't yeah. have to just buy the dip. Um, so I think it, it, I think it is a good case to to stay invested. Um, it's also a case that don't just wait to buy the dips, which I think a lot of people do. I mean, um, even with Ahold there, you spoke about yeah. Ahold. It's it's a good opportunity, but I mean, it's only dropped to twenty eight, twenty nine dollars. I think you yeah. could you could have got that last February for twenty six, twenty seven dollars. So it hasn't even dropped yeah. back to the price it was in in February. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what what are you waiting for? That that's that's what I'm I'm kind of getting at. But yeah, Twitter. I I struggle. I've struggled with Twitter for about a year, two years now. I don't post as much. You you, you can see this. Yeah. And and we used to joke offline. And I I would say to you, watch. I can get seventy likes just by posting absolute rubbish. And I would, <laughs> and yeah. I would get seventy likes or eighty likes or whatever. And then I'd post something, which you put a lot of time in. You put a lot of research in. You post a thread, and you might get two or three likes. And you're like. 
what's the what's the point yeah what's yeah yeah, point? yeah. So I, I i struggle with it i am struggling with twitter i, I really only do what i i dip in and out of um the messaging now because that's where i actually talk to people um and i don't have to to look at all the rubbish yeah. that's on my timeline to be fair yeah true well the facebook group is uh is, is a often a breath of fresh air at the same time as well yes exactly exactly at least at least there it's just all it's actually pretty decent it's actually all dividend investing and there's no buy the dip or any of this kind of rubbish <laughs> exactly a lot of kabooms when there are dividend hikes yeah, yeah. That, that's where we celebrate and maybe that's a really nice bridge to uh, get a more optimistic podcast here because real estate investment trust Fiji properties they just declared uh, a dividend hike right what is it 6.4 yeah. percent uh, and it will be 41 and a half cents going forward yeah, are you um, owner of Fiji yeah yeah I think I've mentioned them a few times I am an owner of Vici. I love the whole Las Vegas thing we obviously had Brad on last week talking about them not just in Vegas but moving outside of Vegas which I, I think I touched on before as well and yeah I'm, I'm quite happy with a six percent dividend increase they have been a lot higher over the last five years um but uh, as i was saying i expected them to move down maybe towards the five percent mark so 6.4 percent i'm i'm quite happy yeah so ticker symbol v-i-c-i for the people that don't know it um and can't understand your irish accent <laughs> um the next uh, company is then verizon communications ticker symbol vz they uh, announced a quarterly dividend of 66 and a half cents per share um up by 1.25 uh, cents or 1.9 percent compared to last quarter i think they did already six seven years in a row two percent hikes I think it's what you expect from Verizon, right? Uh, high yield, low growth. This is the typical utility stock from the telecom. Yeah, for me, they they act like a utility yeah. stock here. And now, what do you think about them? Because Verizon is also gone into a certain direction, like Walgreens. Uh, you could argue. Um, I think many people are concerned about the debt and the impact of interest rates. What what what, what is your opinion about this stock in general? yeah uh, i mean it, it's it's always one it's well well regarded obviously within the dividend growth yeah community they have a good yield they have a very good track record um and they were compared to at&t and lots of people actually prefer them over at&t yeah but similar to at&t they have really high debt levels not as high yeah. as as at&t so i think if you're looking in the communication space they're probably one of the better ones but it's that debt level that's really hard to ignore and obviously with interest rates and inflation and if they have to take on new debt yeah it's going to be expensive and how do they how do they how do they do that and to your point i think in many shows ago we we're talking about 5g which is a catalyst for these guys it's going to be very capital intensive for them and there's probably yeah. going to be other players but i honestly think the dividend is safe even with yeah. even with the high debt because i think you expect that with these types of companies so if you're looking for a really high dividend and not much growth in it maybe one percent a year I, I honestly don't think it's a, i think yeah. there's worse options out there to be honest with you what i appreciate about verizon is that they didn't have the temptation like at&t's management to to squander with shareholder money by purchasing assets spinning them off again and just creating a mess out of their portfolio management yeah. Verizon has been quite stable over the years from that point of view 
And, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a boring job, I would say, if it uh, makes shareholders happy. Yeah, I mean, they stayed They stayed in the lane. Um, yeah. They didn't, I mean, you had T-Mobile, you had AT&T yeah. all making dramatic moves and moving the market in different ways. And yeah. they just kind of took the, the long road and just said, we know what we're doing and we exactly i appreciate it a lot in the stock uh, because so easy to fall trapped to wanting to be the ceo uh, in the in the history books but uh, otherwise you end up like the att at&t ceo more in the guinness book of records right with a stupid uh, <laughs> thing exactly. exactly but this is maybe also a really nice bridge then because t-mobile us is initiating a dividend for the first time and I really, uh, I'm really intrigued by this. So they are initiating, a, I mean, they have a whole capital appreciation or capital allocation program. So they are authorizing a 19 billion program over the next five years, um, uh, five quarters till the end of 2024, if I'm correct there. And uh, how is it? That includes the authorization of a 3 billion annual dividend. This 3 billion stands for approximately 2.55 annual dividend per share which represents about 1.92 percent uh, forward dividend yield and they aim to grow the dividend by 10 percent in the upcoming years now i've been really uh, a big fan of uh, so take a symbol tmus uh, in the past and never bought it but their ceo john legere the old one the ceo i loved it there was a ceo that came into the company with a hoodie and put the customer first and everything he was really um you know uh breaking through in the market with with new plans and really challenging at&t and verizon really grew from there but then they did this merger when was it a few years ago the guy stepped out as well uh, i forgot the company they merged with and now i look at the balance sheet and it's becoming like a verizon balance sheet so it turns me off already when i look at it specifically if it only gives you a two percent uh, yield yeah, yeah that, that, that's straight away my issue because what i see there i see the I see the debt hiking after the acquisition much, much more than the equity. Yeah. Yeah. So it means that they paid a lot of goodwill um, in here, which and and which was just not giving really money to the shareholder. And at the same time, uh, the cash flow didn't really go anywhere uh, uh, either as a result. So that that's kind of um, disappointing for me in this um, in this acquisition, I would say. Yeah, it's it, it's an interesting one that they're initiating a dividend now. It it almost feels to me like management now believe that the really high growth phase is over because they were yeah. really fast, they were really competitive, yeah. really fast yeah. growing, um, and now they've started the dividend. So they probably realised they're coming to the end of that growth cycle. And yeah. they need to give back to the shareholders in, in other ways. So look, it it is a small yield relative to that market um, yeah. or that industry, but it's just it's just interesting to see that. So like you, I was disappointed when that CEO stepped down and when they did that merger. Um, I think if he was still there and they did this, I'd be definitely interested. Just yeah. own a few shares just because of him, but yeah, um, not anymore. Yeah, and there's another diff dividend tie. Can you tell a bit more about that one? Uh, semiconductor giant, KLA Corporation. Um, they have uh, an impressive 11.5 dividend increase, which is their 14th annual consecutive dividend as well. Um, I have to say, I don't know a whole lot about that company. Um, I know 
semiconductors we've spoke a lot about and they've been in the news a lot last year particularly um but like it's it's interesting to see a company like this with 14 years so i i know lots of people look at these dividend screeners you have dividend aristocrats dividend champions and they're broke up into segments aren't they zero to ten years yeah. ten to 25 and you'd imagine with a 14 year streak this will start coming up on more people's radars yeah yeah, yeah. Well, it's also really interesting that uh, a semiconductor uh, company has so much is so bullish on their own dividend at the moment, because what you see mostly uh, in this space that they are quite conservative at the moment. Also, I think Texas Instruments we will get later in this year still uh, with a dividend hike. I'm really curious to that. I don't expect such a high one because their free cash flow is under under pressure because of their investment. So it's really. Um, quite a self-confidence from this company to commit so much uh, future free cash flow now right their dividend yeah. payments yeah yeah we'll see texas instruments will give us a probably a more clear indication of yeah maybe the market is more bullish than than we are at the moment yeah nice that's nice well hey but this was dividend uh, hikes and they're giving you more uh, dividend income right that's the nice uh, thing about it so you know what about uh, the main topic of today how do you feel after such a 14-hour work day i mean the floor is yours i expect really kind of an irish style <laughs> pub style like they're all wankers and all of this kind of thing so you know let it all go Derek. it's yeah it's, you can the floor you, is yours you can kind of tell when we're talking through the news i was in a bit of a a whiny <laughs> whiny whinging mood um i have to say it was a struggle like i, I finished work I, I went in early you finish i think it's 14 hours it's a long day i think i i, I don't even know if i got food in, into me so it's just a, a really long day and it, it's it's a struggle it is a struggle i don't know i don't know where most guys work but i work in a manufacturing plant and it's really high volume and the problem with high volume is it's expected to run all the time and if it stopped even for five, 10 minutes, you're getting phone calls, you're under pressure, you have to fix it now, now, now. We had a manufacturing plant down for like 12 hours of this 14 hours. <laughs> it just would not work. Um, so you could imagine the, the pressure that you're under to get to get that run going. So it's really, really stressful, I have to say. And and sometimes you you come back from work and you just sit down. Is it worth it? Is it, it and, yeah. and that's, that's genuinely what I think is is it worth it like i'm there as the expert right in my field in in there and all you're doing is getting hammered all the time and it's, it's things are out of your control you can't obviously control everything but is it worth it for me at the end of the day to go in there what's meant to be a nine to four, remember i'm only getting paid between nine to five because i'm a salaried employee so i'm only getting paid eight hours but i'm doing 14 hours so i'm giving up six extra hours of my day for nothing basically um yeah. and it's really frustrating i have to say and can you do time for time like tomorrow show up only two yeah, hours you get you get time for time so every every everything i work over you get time for time but the, the problem is that i never get to use all of it so last year for example i had i think i had 80 hours time for time worked up that i couldn't even take i couldn't i didn't have the time yeah. to take them um and at the moment i'm up around four 40 50 hours already um yeah. and i do try and take it when it's quiet i try and i take hours here but it's just not possible to take it all the time yeah so and um i said how do you deal with that then is that is this then the, are you then <laughs> maybe stupid question but are you then thinking the whole day about your dividend portfolio 
not when you're in the moment. <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> so so it, when, when you're there and you're looking in PLC code and you're trying to figure out why two machines that usually talk to each other are not talking, I don't think uh, dividend income really comes into it. Um, and it's probably it's probably one of the reasons dividend investing suits me more than like imagine trying to be an, an options trader that needs to watch the market on a day by day basis. It just yeah. wouldn't. It just wouldn't suit me. I, I just could not yeah. physically do it because I don't have access to my phone, or at least yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to pay attention to my phone on a regular basis to do that. So dividend investing is a lot more hands off. So I don't have to think about it. Luckily, and yeah. I think that's probably one of the reasons why it suits me better than other other yeah. areas. And how are you looking then at it? Because you're now getting a substantial dividend income as such. Um, does this also mean that you start thinking already about, for instance, taking a job with less stress or maybe taking a 32-hour work week or something like that? Are you, uh, do those things come to your mind or do you more think like, no, let's do this, let's, let's, let's get this through uh, more as a motivation maybe to work hard so that you get the maximum amount of uh, money and salary also out of it so that you can stop earlier with working yeah so it's 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 a bit of a conundrum so i will whinge and i will moan about it i give it out to my wife sometimes mm -hmm. and say i'm working too hard i'm doing too much uh, and all this right but she makes a good point if i wasn't doing that i'm somebody that needs to keep busy probably all the time otherwise i get bored and when i get yeah. bored i just i kind of not go into a depression but i just you don't feel yourself yeah. so I, I like to keep busy and do that I say I don't want to do it, and that's what I, I tell yeah. myself. I don't want to do it, but but actually, I think I would miss it if I, if I wasn't in it. But, but is I, it then also the purpose uh, purpose in it? Uh, the the purpose in it is more self satisfaction. Like like for example, today there's only two people in our whole plant. We have a we have a plant with three thousand employees. There's only two people today that could have fixed what went wrong today, and mm -hmm. I take great pride in that. That one of them is is me, um, yeah. so I do enjoy that. In the moment, it's it's not so enjoyable, but I do take pride in my work. I think work should always come first. But what I don't like is that sometimes I miss family events. So my son had a match after, and it's the first match I've missed. I think maybe in about a year and, and a bit, um, mm -hmm. and that probably upset me more than having to stay back fourteen hours. It's yeah. it's actually missing the family time, which is what you go to work for, isn't it? To make money yeah. to spend time with your family um so in that terms i would like to work a probably a normal 40-hour job with less pressure it's still yeah. challenging i want something to challenge me but something where yeah. i could i know okay i'm going in at eight o'clock in the morning i'm finishing yeah. at four o'clock in the afternoon and i'm done um, but that's not the case at the moment I, well you know sudoku can be quite challenging if you take the three star one or the five star <laughs> <laughs> i do quite like sudoku as well i do there you go there you go i thought so with your programmer's mind but you know you touch effectively here on the topic of work-life balance right yeah. and and this is the thing right we are dividend investing a typical journey takes i know 15 to 20 years for the people that are really committed to it and but what you're doing at the moment is kind of sacrificing work-life balance and you know it, it's nice to retire maybe in 15 or 20 years but you're living now as well right so how do you look at that uh, because it, it sounds a little bit like contradictionary uh, to work for freedom 
but then to sacrifice so much freedom while you might already be able to gain a certain amount of freedom right and yeah, yeah by making look, changes that maybe push your financial independence date out but at least the the satisfaction uh more of, of course i think i we build that into our budgets when we're when we're doing things and i know you joke with me sometimes because we we do have to we talked about consistency remember and we we have to yeah. push a lot of these podcasts around because i spend a lot of time in the weekends either traveling or going away with with my family the kids my wife i'm doing something a lot of the time so i am very conscious that during the week i'm not as present as maybe what a father should be or a husband should be because mm -hmm. i'm working and even when i'm at home I'm either up here doing stuff on the podcast or newsletter or the blog, or I'm actually sitting on my laptop dialed into work doing stuff. So I'm usually 90% of my time during the week is work related in some capacity. So on the weekends, I do make a conscious effort to, to be present and to spend as little time as possible actually behind the computer or behind that. Because yeah. again, it's, it's about setting example for your kids. And if they see me sitting behind a computer seven days a week, I can't really tell them, don't sit behind your Xbox for, for seven yeah. days because it's it's contradictory. So I, I am very, very conscious of that and, and try to do that. So like this weekend, I have two days completely off and we have a wedding to go to, weddings in Ireland. Um, I don't know if you know, but it's usually a two-day event. Um, and the second day is always better than the wedding day. So it's... Um, but I expect an invite, an invite when you get married. Uh, well, I'm already married, so maybe... No, but uh, again, when you get married again. <laughs> get married again. <laughs> uh, when we renew our vows, maybe. But it's um, So I'm looking forward to that. It's just going to be completely switched yeah. off. Um, I leave my phone at home and just switch off for two days and just be present in, in that moment. Yeah. I, I think that's important because you can get sucked in uh, to social media, you can get sucked into your yeah. work, and, and you're just always on a screen. Um, so I struggle. Yeah. I, I do struggle with work-life balance. I think it's the... the my biggest challenge at the moment is 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 getting that right and sometimes i get it i get it right in terms of family myself in terms of mm. gym football and work um but that's a short moment and and at the moment yeah. i'm sacrificing myself because i don't think i've gone to the gym in two months it's mainly about work and then when i have time spend it with the wife and kids yeah yeah that's that's bad that's bad we've got to talk to your manager <laughs> yeah but I mean, you, you get to a certain stage in your career where you have to do that, don't you, to, to move yeah. up to, to that next level. Like I went in as as a junior in my company. I've, I've moved up quite fast compared to my peers. I've actually mm -hmm. outpaced a lot of my peers and got to a, a position. I'm not a manager, but mm -hmm. I wouldn't say I'm regarded as a manager, but people will come to me before my manager because... No, yeah. not that we're on the same level but i have some of the similar knowledge in technical terms as, as what he has yeah. he's 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 a hundred times better than me at, at many many stuff but it's nice to be regarded that way but the next step yeah. for me would be to to make that leap into management and to do that you have to be noticed and to be noticed yeah. sometimes you have to be in the trenches dealing with the shit, actually jumping up and complaining so all the big bosses see you they know your name and then that's how you start getting into conversations yeah. to, to move to move up but do you feel that all the hard work pays off then no not all the time no no and and this would differ i would say from company to company i would imagine yeah. um nobody knows where i work so I, I can say this but i do see colleagues in there that in different because engineering is, is a big department so it's 
I'm automation, but we do have mechanical mm. guys with with other guys. And there's some pretty talented guys that have left or are leaving for pretty much the same reason. They've overworked, they've burnt out, they've worked as hard as they can, and they can get more money and a less stressful life going somewhere else. And I think that's that's yeah. what that's what happens. And I, I know a close friend of mine is leaving in two weeks for that exact reason, and and he'll be a a major loss, a major loss to our company. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's bad, but it must motivate you as that's, well. That's that's what it does. It does give me motivation, and that's what keeps me going, particularly with the podcast and the investing. And and look, we've made no secret we're trying uh, with this newsletter, for example, we're trying to break away from the mold and give ourselves some bit of freedom away from having to to do all this. But it's definitely a motivational factor for me, not just for me, but for my kids. I don't want my kids to have to work for a multinational corporation like i did i want them to have the freedom to work for themselves mm -hmm. from day one and not have to try and build a life so if if i don't achieve it in my lifetime i can accept that once my kids don't have to do it yeah yeah it really speaks for you i must uh i must say as well and we'll, we'll get there we'll get there um yeah anything else I, I mean i find this really inspiring i hope the listeners as well to listen to you because it's it's really you're really opening up here derek and uh i think we haven't done that too often in uh, from that point of view yeah it's a i mean it's, it's a personal journey and sometimes we can make it feel like everything is easy or like everyone's life is just hunky-dory but i mean there's lots of people that that listen to us for example that work on oil fields and they travel a lot more than i do away from family and it must be difficult for those guys um and yeah. i'd love to know how how they keep their motivation because i mean i'm giving out i only have to do this like every so often um yeah. i mean the blog and the podcast is my choice i don't have to do that that's my choice but in terms of work i don't work 14 hour days every day there's some people that yeah. has, have to do that um, but I'd love to know how, how those people keep themselves. I can tell you, um, I, I was traveling the whole world for work like seven years ago or something like that. Yeah. I quit the job and I took a really, really large pay cut uh, as well because I felt like I worked so hard that I didn't, didn't live uh, for four years. Simply, I was I was working 60 hours a week, traveled the whole world, but it meant I didn't see my child, I didn't see... Uh, my wife a lot and yeah. I, I I calculated after four years like what have I actually done and I couldn't sum it up yeah I went on vacation but I have I had no memories from it it was like vague all just because of all the work the traveling the jet lags so I said like okay it's not worth it I, I, I resigned there were a few other reasons why I also resigned but that was definitely one of the biggest drivers and um, I went somewhere else and actually with the focus on work-life balance and I found that uh, uh, at the time and it, it, it uh, you know I could have been financially independent if I would have called, uh, kept the old job now already and I was already dividend investing then and I started already then but I don't regret it at all because my work-life balance is in a really good shape the company really cares about it and it motivates me also to give give me the full best yeah and i i, I work uh, eight hours sometimes 12 hours uh, on a day but i and, and yes i'm tired but i know that the company really cares about me and they make sure that uh, i i've got everything uh, that i need 
and not only uh, the best laptop or something like that, but also from a well-being point of view. And so I, I have a feeling that I found it, but I also feel very privileged uh, with that because I don't think there exist so many companies, uh, and even within the company, so many departments where you have this management culture and, and where you have this approach to people. So. I, I can really recommend to people generally from my experience when I hear you talking uh, as well it's it's really not worth it we live once yeah yeah we live once and you know now are the years that my children are flourishing let's say and and, and really become human beings and to miss that 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 that's a shame I rather work my ass off when they are out of house and if I only yeah. have to see my wife yeah yeah then, I'm, then I'm, I don't need to see her the whole day I, I, I'm the exact same in that regards like i mentioned even something small as a football match i just don't like missing time on moments because you never get that back ever you, yeah. you'll always make money but you'll never get that time back with your kids ever they're they're only they're only young for a certain period of time so it's it's interesting to hear that that you had to step back and it must have been a hard decision really um, I know you talk about. I would have been financially independent now, yeah. and I knew that. I did the math. I could have done it in several years instead of fifteen years because of the large pay uh, I got uh, at that time. And what what were your wife's thoughts? I, I know what my wife would say in that scenario. She would she would pretty much tell me to do what's best for me and forget about the money because my wife is not yeah. into money. But was your wife supportive? Was it was it a hard discussion? Or was no, not at all. It is uh, whatever you feel is best. I would love you to be the most home and, and, and to see you. And I don't care about the money. So, and that, that helps when you have supporting uh, family. So another life hack, marry a wife that is not too materialistic. And that's, that's what I can also say from experience. It's, it so much helps. It really helps. No pressure at all, actually to the opposite. More like a confirmation, like that my thoughts are not stupid yeah. because around me people were saying edgi you know not with that because i wasn't blogging yet but you're stupid to do this and I yeah said, like, of well you know it's it's for me i'm, I'm done i don't want to be at a certain age and look back and uh, i lost a decade yeah come on you know i i don't know yet if we live in a simulation yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's quite a risk right to take that one <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it it it's it's a big risk and a hard choice to take but I, I think those who have ever done it i would say very few would have many regrets yeah yeah i think so. I, I have already no i wouldn't call the regrets uh because i feel still like i acted on time um but still yeah if i knew what i knew now I would have done that still different at the time by not working so much and probably quitting earlier at the time at that job. Yeah. And and content-wise, like like what you have, the job was amazing. Yeah, the job was amazing content-wise. It was really on the on on the work pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's happening in a lot of places though, isn't it? It, it seems to be pressures. The demand for everything seems to be going up and up. Um yeah. and everywhere seems to be cost cutting, at least there any industry that I'm involved in is, is cost cutting staff. I mean, our factory is after, I would say, quadrupling in size in the last, since I've been there. Yeah. And there's still the same amount of automation guys as it was when it was, <laughs> when it was really yeah. small. And now yeah. we're covering a much lar larger space. So the pressure's yeah. there. But when I look around other industries or other factories, 
it's the same. And I talk to people, obviously, have friends in in the industry, yeah. and you're talking. It's, it seems to be the same across the board. It just seems to be in automation at the moment. It's and like like tech was maybe four yeah. or five years ago. It's just really really high pressure. There's a shortage of skills there, which means the people that are there can make a lot more money, but yeah. because there's not as many people, it comes at the cost. Yeah, comes at the cost. Yeah. Well, we love it, of course, as dividend growth investors because it means that the gross margins are going up and <laughs> and the dividends can be paid more. Yeah? yeah, as long as it's sustainable. Maybe that's where AI and robots come in. They can take my job. That's <laughs> exactly. what's going to happen. They take twenty hours work off me. Yeah, so it was a bit of a different topic, uh, but I think it shows also a bit where your motivation for financially independent uh, in independence comes from, right, and why you're seeking it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I suppose if you don't have a goal or a reason for a goal, it's easy to get sidetracked, isn't it? Yeah. So good. That's my motivation. Hey, let's get back uh, onto our feet again now, uh, or we may let's say back to reality from another side, because it's the listeners' questions of the week, uh, Derek. And the first one to 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 give you this happy thought to get out of this grind. What stocks do you plan to cover in the upcoming newsletter? Ask the question. Yeah, so we are trying to keep a more European feel to it because I think there's a lot of content out there with US companies. I think your article last week in L'Oreal was the most in-depth article in L'Oreal I've ever read out there. I thought it was, it was fantastic. This week I'm covering British American Tobacco. It was a cheat. It's it's a bit of both, but it is it is a UK company. Um, so that's why I'm covering this week, and then. I don't know. After that, I'm I'm not quite sure. Maybe Louis Vuitton might be going up there, but we'll try and pick some some European darlings to, to keep going with. Yeah, for me, it's also like, uh, what would you like to read? Tell us. Yeah, we we spent we will spend a lot of time on really grasping the company. Um, it might, of course, also be a US one, but uh, for the people that are really interested in the newsletter, just drop us an email. Uh, email me at europeandgi at gmail.com and tell me what what stock you would like me to put in a newsletter. At uh, full disclosure, though, we said that the first two will be for free, so the British American tobacco is then, and then we will start introducing a subscription model. Uh, it will be um, still we still need to land on something, so we'll let also people know what what is included in that it will not just only be the newsletter there will be a bit more there to really give a lot of value for the the money but yeah let me know what you would like to uh, me to write on uh, for the for the october issue yeah um and then the same same guy has asked us about caring and do we like it is it as much as a quality business as lvmh in my opinion, no. Uh, Louis Vuitton is a higher quality business than uh, Kering. I checked out Kering the other day. It is quite okay. I understand that the yield is also uh, much better at the moment. But um, after I did my screening, I didn't feel the urge to further analyze. I was already turned off. And I think it was probably a combination of dividends and 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 just what the, the feeling I got from the overall business situation. You know, uh, often I need to sometimes check my notes, but for some companies that I do through the screener, I don't even make notes because I do this in 10, 15 minutes. Think, okay, not not even worth it to spend more time on. And and caring fell in that category for me. Yeah. That's yeah. And and I think the next question from from Yaris is actually a good follow up question to, for this. Um, he's saying that many YouTube channels give advice on dividend growth stocks based on the historic information, which is what your dividend screener would typically look at. Yeah. Um, but history is history. 
and it's all about the future. If you must use one metric to calculate future growth, what would your choice be? Uh, well, actually, I do that in my videos as well. It's the payout ratio. Ah, okay. So you look. Uh, at so yeah, if I look, if the if the company shows consistency, like something like Johnson and Johnson, every year six seven percent, I do believe that the probability is higher that they want to continue the, that trend. But they can only do it if they have the supporting free cash flow. A company like Johnson and Johnson has it with a what is it a fifty percent payout. So I, I I think the likelihood is really high that they will continue that track record if they have been doing that already for two decades or something like that. So, um, but if the payout ratio is higher than normally and they have been, let's say, doing it historically at a 10%, let's take Metronic. Metronics was doing it for 7% or something like that for, for many years. I wrote an article about it in 2020 and I predicted there maximum four or five percent they can do because they don't have more wiggle room yeah and, and then i model with something like three or four percent uh, whatever it is uh, here if you do for instance a dividend discount model as an example or even a, even a cash flow model because you just see it's not possible yeah and and so that's the the assuming here that it's about uh, the dividend discount model. If you use the di dividend, uh, sorry, the discounted cash flow model, it's for me first looking at the business, understanding do they have even room to grow, and why were they growing so like that in the last five years? Maybe, maybe they were growing uh, so fast because of the COVID uh, boom. Maybe they were not growing fast because they were doing a turnaround. So maybe the growth should be higher go uh, going forward. So. Uh, we cannot predict. History is, I think, a good indication of what management might want to do. But we also know that management is often handcuffed. So, And you can just check it. Sometimes the confidence for real estate investment trust even tell you our debt level may not be more than that. And then you look at the dividends and you know they, they, can't, they need to go almost in debt or whatever to, to pay you know they will break the comment so you know they can't do it so you know that the dividend growth will be lower if they can't do it via earnings really what you're what you're saying really what you're looking for is some sort of competitive advantage why have they grown in the last five years and can they continue to do that in the next five years is, is really what you're looking at yeah yeah exactly and most of the times i come to the conclusion not um and joris has also asked us he's going on vacation soon any advice for a good book about dividend growth investing um, um no i can't tell you but i reread um the richest man in Babi from babylon in um in the summer and i really loved it it was the right timing um it taught me a little bit again how to deal with my kids about making them wiser it's i mean it's it's an old kind of a story right um here more like a, a legend or a fairy tale kind of style uh americanized a little bit but i really really liked it there were so many good things in there again as reminders and sometimes it's good to read stuff that you know already yeah but to strengthen the message again in your head um i have two books that i'm reading that are not quite dividend growth focused um one is on valuation it's called the education of a value investor it's more like stories of this value investor it does give you some valuation tips but it's it's actually a really pleasant read um and i'm reading that concurrently with the educated 
REIT investing book that I've mentioned before as well. I think I've linked yeah. to that on Facebook. So I'm reading those two, but they are two nice books, I would, I would say. Well, I can tell you, if yours is lying, uh, laying, laying beside the swimming pool, don't expect any women to come to you when you're reading this book. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't even know what to talk about because usually they could look at the book cover and think like, oh, this is an anchor that they can start a conversation. But but when it's this, the, the, yeah. <laughs> uh, my wife will be happy. <laughs> um, Salaman has asked us about Louis Vuitton, LVMH, and ASML. Have we got any updates and targets on these guys? No, I don't have any updates on targets, but I think ASML under 600 is, is generally probably a fair price. Don't expect a lot of capital appreciation uh, uh, in the upcoming time then. Um, LV, uh, Louis Vuitton, I haven't checked them out lately. I, I really need to look into them. It's the second one that gets compared to it. I heard also here that the share price has been tanking a bit lately. So I guess this is why the 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 question is coming up. Yeah, they've, they've been coming up quite a lot and they've tanked. They're down as far as 731 euro at the moment. Um, which is level at, at about maybe January of this year. So they, they've come yeah. back to where they were to start the year pretty much. Okay. But, yeah. um, I don't know the reason. I, I Honestly, I'm not following them too closely, but this is the second or third week they're coming up. So there must be some sort of reason why it's why it's declining. And, and maybe worth, honestly, it might be worth for us to actually look into that and see why. Yeah. Um, Jay has asked us, how do you plan to offset the tax liability as your portfolio grows? Uh, no, tax is part of my uh, calculation, right? I just accept that I need to pay dividend tax. So uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Jay, Jay has a, an Irish surname here, as, as you can read. Um, and it's quite a popular topic and question over here in Ireland. It's actually one of the main questions you will get asked about and, and one of the main disadvantages given for dividend growth investing over say paying down okay, so it's the irish context and, and stuff yeah. like that um but like you for me i i look at it i know the earning i know the tax bracket and we pay dividend withholding tax anyway and then at the end of the year i just file my taxes and, and pay what i need um as 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 i get more and more income i'd probably just keep a little bit aside in, in my portfolio but at the not my portfolio my bank account but at the moment even i can easily cover what whatever tax liability yeah. um, on a monthly basis so it's it's not a problem yeah um simon has asked us um hypothetically speaking if you only had to hold one stock in your brokerage for the rest of your investing journey what would you pick yeah and, and he also he also mentioned hint this this question requires 150 percent conviction at the time of answering and i've spent like a few good minutes thinking about this and i passed a lot of stocks and you know which one it will surprise you that came to my mind that and where i really have the conviction unilever wow <laughs> from all the companies that i have in my portfolio um and i think about 40 50 years I have the strongest conviction that let's say by the end of the century, Unilever will still exist and will be able to pay a dividend because they produce so many elementary goods. 
because I was thinking about Microsoft. I thought like, yeah, no, but this information technology sector, you know, these 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 come and go. Maybe this next IBM in twenty years from now. I don't think now, but you know, who, who maybe Satya Nadella steps out, another idiot like Steve Ballmer comes in. Who knows? Yeah, and then I thought like, oh, maybe Aholt, and I thought like, well, Aholt had the fraud in the beginning of two thousand um they might spin off uh, this business from the us and ball.com so i was thinking like maybe then after that they will get acquired or something like that and i thought like unilever learned from the 3g capital to put more defense structures in there to to avoid being acquired then i thought about utilities and i thought like well i don't really know utilities that's so well i thought the real real estate investment trust i felt like mm, i don't i i don't know i don't trust the sector well enough to in 40 50 years so all in all i had to pick a consumer staple with that thinking and i came to uh, unilever but if i would have had coca-cola i might have chosen that one uh, yeah. yeah it was actually when, when when you weren't speaking uh Coca-Cola came to my mind based on and all the different areas that you said. If you were to pick a company that will be there in fifty years' time, you bet your bottom dollar, um, Coca-Cola would be. Um, it's interesting you mentioned REITs and you don't trust the sector. If I was to pick one in that sector, it would probably be Vici, um, because I think Las Vegas is not going anywhere. I think in forty yeah. or fifty years, it's 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 just part of the culture there, um, and they own pretty much all of all of that. Yeah. Um, so if I was to pick a real estate investment trust, I, I would pick that. But uh, this is also interesting, right? Because I have a policy of not really selling my uh, dividend stocks. But believe me, I don't. From all the stocks that I have now, I, I can imagine that it looks seventy to eighty percent different thirty years from now. Because companies get acquired, some companies will get in trouble that either need to cut the dividend, or I believe the dividend is not sustainable, and I will start like 3M as yeah. an example. And if this happens like once a year with a stock in your portfolio and you have like 40 to 50 stocks, you're talking about 30, uh, easily 30 stocks after 30 years, right? So um, I do believe that uh, there is there is cha there are changes just happening because the cycle of life, the cycle of a business. Um, but it's something I probably need to think about once a year about one stock. That's why I think still like a buy and hold position but doesn't mean that a buy and hold after 30 years will look the same. Even if you look at the S&P 500 uh, from 100 years ago and how the, uh, or the, the Dow Jones in the years ago and now, it, uh, what is it, one stock maybe there still in there yeah. or something like that? So, yeah. I mean, technology changes, people changes, habits change, consumer behavior changes. There's so many variables in it. So yeah. look at Intel, look at Microsoft. They were dead. Microsoft was dead 10 years yeah. ago and, yeah. and look yeah, what yeah. happened what was to say that they won't go back to where they were before so i i think i think you mentioned it before it's not buy and hold it's buy hold and review and review yeah um, exactly re review that but yeah and then sometimes you add regret <laughs> yes and regret yes <laughs> but but usually like in the case of 3m it's it's you can see it coming you can see i mean yeah. the writing is on the wall there it, it looks like they'll have to cut the dividend at some point it yeah. really does um and then it'll be a good choice or they settle and they don't have to cut the dividend and, and they turn around but even even if they do that there's still plenty of opportunities to to get in yeah. those guys it's not as if they're going to double in share price overnight so i i, I would expect not no 
Um, the next question is from Rehan, and he has asked us, how did you both prioritize own home versus dividend portfolio? What are your suggestions when one has 50% invested in dividend portfolio and 50% cash and liquid funds? Move oil and buy a home or invest more? Oh, wow. Yeah, this is such a personal uh, discussion. And, and there we need more context about the interest rate and such that, that you can get. Look, I don't know how it's for you, but I really started investing also after I bought a home and had my home already paid down to a certain level um, that you actually also start to think automatically about what else can I do with my money, yeah? So I, I never have been in that situation, so I don't feel that I'm the right person uh, to, to mention something meaningful on this because these are life decisions that people will be making. Generally speaking, I would say, um, so so what i can what i don't know if i would do it but what i could envision doing is like yeah buy a dream house i mean if this is your dream house on this nice spot on the planet we spoke about today about work-life balance and enjoying mm -hmm. life if this home brings it to you i think generally a home in a, in, a, in a relatively good location should do quite okay over time but then just make sure like it's not more than 20% or something like that of your expense uh, expenses and make sure that that I would say if it's about 5% uh, mortgage just try to pay down as much as possible um, here because it's for me a high high yield debt high interest debt but try to get the expenses on the 20% at least and preferably even towards 10% because then also you know when you want to reach financial independence with dependence for dividend investing you don't have suddenly still your mortgage to be paid uh, within that money for quite a significant amount of dollars but that that's probably how i look about it uh, how i look yeah. at it it's it's such a hard question to give advice on because as you said there's so many different factors your age are you married yeah. have you got kids where do you want to settle do you want to settle where your kids have nice schools, nice social yeah. clubs, or, or, and so on? So there's so many different questions um, to ask there. But like you, I didn't start investing until after I had bought a house. But that wasn't by choice. I didn't actually sit down and design it that way. It just happened. Yeah, for, me, a, for me as well. Yeah. I bought a house first, and then, like you, you get to a point where you have excess cash. You can either pay it down off your mortgage, or you can do something else with it and, and I wanted to do something else with it um, but if hypothetically in my situation if I was sitting here with 50% of my total wealth in dividend portfolio and 50% cash I would not liquidate all that just to buy a house I, I would use the cash to take out a mortgage even if it's slightly higher um, yeah. to take out a mortgage and buy my home but I would still stay invested in, in what I have and maybe I would not add to that but i would let it sit there and just reinvest my dividends maybe that's yeah probably what mm -hmm. i would do I, I i wouldn't liquidate it but again that's my situation i wouldn't i wouldn't suggest that to yeah. to raise on because i don't know that his circumstances um hussein has asked us um he needs some confirmation um 33 or 33 years of age um, and he said he is enlightened very late. So I, I guess he just came on this investment journey uh, very late. 
Um, he's now looking to buy his first house and needs to put all his savings there for at least eight to nine months. Is it okay to give this kind of a break in the journey or should he invest no matter what? Oh, come on. Of course you can give yourself a break. I mean, just just you need to be realistic and recalculate your your financial in, in independence date right because if, if you if you do the math you say like okay if i invest 50 percent of my salary after 15 years i will be financially independent okay it will be 16 years yeah that's the consequence of it i mean there's no hard and fast rules in this game right and and everybody posts and i think mr mr free at 33 maybe gave an ideology that you have to be retired really super early but there's no really hard and fast rules it's everybody's personal journey so whatever you're comfortable with whatever you're happy with that's what you should be aiming for and if that means not investing for a year five years don't invest for five years buy your house buy your dream home save whatever amount of time you have and then that's the beauty of it isn't it? it's a personal yeah. journey jump back on the bandwagon yeah. when you can and but what, what I do would like to highlight is that for me, discipline is really important. Uh, discipline even gives me the motivation. So um, whether it's investing in your portfolio or investing it in, in making sure you get all the cash together and saving it for your mortgage, the discipline that you do it, I think it is important. So let's say like that, in my opinion, I'll make sure 50% of my salary when it hits my bank straight away goes to my investment account that I invested. If I, if, if I would need to do something else like save it up, I would straight away put 50% to my savings account. So that at least don't, uh, so that at least lifestyle uh, inflation doesn't creep in and these kinds of stuff. Yeah. Because it is important for wealth building. Because if you're investing in your house, buying your first house, you're still increasing your net worth with all of this and building your net worth so i think that that is something that i would really uh, emphasize that probably is important for many people is the the consistency and the discipline but then it's more like as a ceo a capital allocation decision do i pay dividends do i buy back shares do i pay down debt you know that's what it comes down to yeah yeah but again it's it's always a personal decision isn't it you there's no there's no right or wrong answer it's it's whatever's right for you in 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 that moment but yes discipline i think is is super important especially if you um if you want if if you have a set date that you want to reach a target by if you're not disciplined yeah. it's it's definitely a lot harder to, to yeah. do so um marek has asked us what paid dividend makes you happy the most Which shell company? shell 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 because it's at such an amount that um i can reinvest and i see several shares and then if you look after a year you you see the share count growing and you think like damn it's really snowballing so for me shell anytime and every time when i go to the gas station i'm putting it in and i think like this has been paid for you know <laughs> mine is actually real income um it's because they pay every every single month and it's always you no know, like on the gear you can you can check your yeah. upcoming ones it's always the first one i look for even though i know it's it's going to be there every month um i think it's just a habit that i check and I, I see that they're going to pay out the next month it's it's my favorite one by by far nice nice um dennis has asked us a question he's asked us a lot of countries offer 
one or more tax-friendly programs such as retirement programs so would you prefer to utilize one of these strategies or would you prefer your dividend growth portfolio yeah so we have this in poland as well and i have one there uh, but still my priority is the normal dividend growth portfolio because i don't want to wait until i'm 60 with uh, having access to that money let's say and so uh, yeah I, uh, therefore i do pay tax now yeah on on, on 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 capital gains let's say because that's where the real benefit is but also some dividend tax and um yeah, but I, I, I don't want to wait till 60 to, to, to live off that money. Yeah. And, and, you know, you always feel more in control with your own portfolio. If you're waiting on retirement, I mean, just Google War for Crystal uh, Pension. Just, yeah. just Google it and you'll see what happened to lots of people who live in, in close by to where I am. Um, they couldn't access their pensions. And when some of them did, they had died. <laughs> and... They never got to see that money and maybe their families did but they didn't even get the full amount and that has always left a lasting impression on me in terms of pension schemes and and all this and it's yeah. really drove me to want to have to do it myself and, and look we spoke about the risks of brokerages it, it doesn't mean what we're doing is perfect and there's not risks i just feel a little bit more in control um yeah and if touch wood i never had to but if i had to access that money tomorrow I could, in theory, take all that out and have access to that money. Yeah, yeah. But I would say, like, um, if you... So with my wife, we max it out, yeah, uh, here, because we'll hopefully I will still be alive when I'm 60. Yeah, so it's okay for me to, to have some money that we need to wait on there and, and have tax benefit but it's it's more like an add-on to it because yeah. i'm focused on the normal dividends uh, first yeah yeah we have a matched match one from the company so whatever i yeah. pay in they pay double um so it make no sense if i didn't take advantage of that but i never use that in any of my calculations so that's yeah that's, say, same i have yeah. yeah it'll be just an added bonus when i get to that age and i go hey i get exactly extra, extra yeah um and then there's a related stock question there um, what is your opinion on Phoenix Group Holdings? Ticker symbol PHNX. Um, I'm not too sure. I think he says he mentions they're a UK based company that's engaged in long term savings and retirement businesses. Um, I've never heard of the company, I have to say. I don't know if you have or haven't. No, no, no. Let's look it up and discuss it in an upcoming podcast for a moment. Okay. Good. Hey, Derek, thank you. I really enjoyed this podcast. I think we spoke a lot. I hope people didn't fall asleep behind the steering wheel or while they were walking, uh, didn't hit uh, someone else or something like that uh, while running. So, um, guys, thank you so much always for sticking with us. To be, we, uh, we can just see it. You guys are so loyal to the podcast and we really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And we wish you all a good week. Lots of wealth, lots of dividends. Keep on reinvesting them and see you on the next show. See you on the inside. Remember, both of us at David and Talk are not certified financial specialists through formal education. We are just two guys sharing our journey for inspiration and entertainment purposes. Hence, this is not investment advice. Although we do our best, we can't promise that the information discussed is always correct, nor appropriate for you or anybody else. We always recommend that you do your own due diligence and be accountable for your own choices. As we always say, you can't borrow conviction from others. Last but not least, by listening to our podcast, you agree to hold us harmless from any ramifications, financial or otherwise, that occur to you as a result of acting on information provided in this podcast.